Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar and PV Case. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Hey, welcome back, Solar Warriors. This is Tactical Tuesday, practical insights to guide your journey as you develop your business and your career on the front lines of the clean energy revolution. My job is to bring you the thought leaders, the educators, the doers, the makers who are out in front, actually building this industry and unpack their insights, their practical guidance so that you can excel and grow faster with us. Thanks for joining us here each and every week. We bring you these frontline pioneers in the clean energy revolution so that your business or personal growth can accelerate. Today's expert guide is my friend Nobel Chang, a project developer right here in North Carolina who has vast experience all the way to places like Mexico and his core skill set, which he developed in real estate, he was able to parlay over into renewables, just like last week's guest, Jerry Coleman. If you missed his long form executive profile, we'll link to it right in the description for this podcast. I learned a ton from Nobel, not the least of which is how to know when to stop digging, how to get buy-in from your team on the project, how to actually come up to speed in a new industry, something I know many of you are curious about. And the spark that initially ignited his interest to go out on his own and start his business, Paradigm. There's a whole lot more shared in this episode, as always, so I hope that you'll dig in the next 15 plus minutes are going to truly empower and enlighten you. You can find more just like this each and every Tuesday in our Tactical Tuesday segments. But for now, I'll encourage you to lean in, tune in, and tune up your skills, Solo Warrior, as we dig into another powerful conversation here on Suncast. Can you take me back to the you know, beginning of the last decade August 2010, you started as a project manager at Topco. How did you begin the process of, of knowledge acquisition to really figure out, coming from your real estate background, to figure out what solar project development was all about and where your skill set would be best utilized in the industry? I think when I first started at Topco, I knew nothing about renewables. You know, I had started my education in civil engineering, so I knew a little bit about engineering, although I'm not that detail-oriented, so engineer is not for me. But I, I think the curiosity part of it really propelled my career there. You know, I, I think it was really interesting what they were doing. You know, I, I joined on at, at the, the solar unit um, when they were kind of manufacturing solar modules. And so, you know, they allowed me the space and time and allowed my curiosity to grow by understanding from beginning to end how to kind of engineer a off-grid wind solar battery system. And, you know, I saw, you know, I, I was there too when they developed their five megawatt project back in 2010. So, you know, big for that time. But, you know, I think throughout my career, you know, I really harness range. I, at least I try to harness range. 
you know, everything from, you know, learning everything about solar. What does that mean? Harness range. Unpack that. So pulling on a string earlier, and I would call myself a generalist because, you know, I learn, I like to learn a lot about everything. Mm-hmm. I've, you know, financed solar projects, you know, I've been in part of groups, uh, companies that have built um, solar projects and operated them. And then, you know, I started my career on an off-grid wind, solar and battery system. And, you know, most of my career I've developed from Greenfield all the way to NTP and COD. And so learning that entire value chain is extremely helpful. But at the same time, I think range is the expansive knowledge that you get from everything that we learn. You know, so all the podcasts that I listen to and, you know, all the learning that comes from trying out different things, different sports and all that, and the kind of culminating you as a, as a round full person rather than kind of a fully specialized person, which is, you know, I, I think, you know, most organizations, organizations need, need both. Right. But for me, my career was, uh, you know, I followed the path of, of learning and um, implementing skills throughout kind of, of throughout the range of knowledge that you know, I've, I've accumulated. Have you thought about what the core skill set is that you developed uh, in those early years at Topco? I think it's really, it's telling one thing. If you look at, and my LinkedIn is probably emblematic of this more than yours, but a lot of folks in the industry are on the job Ferris wheel, right? They'll go up for a year or two and they'll come back down, they'll get off and they go try another ride, <laughs> stay in the industry, but they're in, they're in the same amusement park, but they're on different rides, right? <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, I think, cause it's, cause there's a lot of opportunity to both have fun, figure out what do you like? Like maybe you didn't like the teacup, it made you nauseous, like. Mm-hmm. I, like some of my, my past employment. Um, but you really did like the roller coaster. It was like the adrenaline and the speed. And you stayed for almost six years at Topco. How would you contextualize that early learning for you around the skill set that you developed? And I, I would like for you to think about it within the, within the context of what you see maybe others lacking or not developing today that they take for granted other people can do for them that we kind of had to do for ourselves back then. So, you know, when I first started at Topco, you know, I was part of a team, was working on projects that I've never worked on before. And there's a lot of learning that happened. I think the most important skill that I learned from that was how to get kind of buy-in from, you know, everyone on the team to push forward an initiative. You know, I think we talk about, you know, this person who kind of pushes the initiative forward and, and leads with all their might, you know, but that quickly runs out of gas. And and I think, you know, getting corralling a team around a kind of a shared vision to push push forward is, is extremely important. I think, you know, I did stay um, there for, for quite some time and then saw the California market opening up and, you know, did the whole policy analysis, you know, at, at that time and said, well, I think the U.S. market is opening up. There's a 30 percent uh, cash grant that's there. You know, there are off-take opportunities that are there. And you know, I was lucky that my company allowed me to fail forward. There were a lot of initiatives, you know, we had projects in Thailand and in China and, you know, in Africa and all over Taiwan and started in, in the States. At that time, I didn't know what a PPA was, but I knew that there was a way of contracting, you know, the energy that we sell. So I had to learn all that. But, you know, uh, I think I'm very grateful for them allowing me to fail forward and which taught me a lot that, you know, it's it's okay to fail. It's actually, it should be encouraged that we fail and fail quickly and fail forward and learn and and move on. You know, I think, you know, a lot of the, the first, my first project took, you know, two and a half years to develop from early stage to NTP, you know, and now thinking about it, that was, you know, now it's pretty quick, but at the, at the time 
we had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> and, you know, I, and I think, you know, we had to hit many walls and then, you know, learn to move. And I think what that did was taught me about kind of flexibility, the ability to pivot and getting a team to pivot. You know, that's really important too. And continue to push on when, you know, things get rough. So, I mean, I think, you know, I think, you know, I'm, most of my career has been pushed forward with, with grit and creativity. So um, there we go. Have you been curious about utility scale storage? SunGrow's revolutionary liquid cooled solution is revolutionizing the storage landscape. It's built in DC to DC coupling combined with other features like higher energy density and 3% slower battery degradation make it a robust solution that companies nationwide are choosing. You can learn more about this innovative solution by SunGrow by visiting mysuncast.com forward slash SunGrow. Hey, pardon the interruption, but I wanted to just let you know how much of an impact you have on Suncast. Yeah, you. Thank you for clicking play. Without you, this show is just me shouting into the void. But there's still people who don't even know about Suncast. I know. I can hardly believe it myself. (laughs) But that's where you can help me yet again. There's a simple way that you can show some love and help others discover the show. If you cruise over to www.ratethispodcast.com forward slash suncast, I'd love it if you would leave a five-star rating and enthusiastic review. That's possibly the single kindest thing that you could do for me today. So if the show has helped, inspired, or even entertained you at all, I'd love it if you would head over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash suncast and give me a virtual two thumbs up. All right, back to today's episode. Can you give me an example where, I mean, as you're talking, I'm having flashbacks to like my time developing. And uh, I'd love it if you have in mind an example of where things got tough. Because it's easy for us to, to, to sort of glorify the entrepreneur journey and the grit needed. But... Real specific examples as a listener help to really understand like, okay, what does it look like for things to get tough in project development? Seth Godin says, you got to know when to stop digging, right? And I found in developing Latin America projects, oftentimes we wouldn't stop digging when we should have. (laughs) We were solving for the wrong variable and we would end up in dead ends and we weren't seeing enough projects coming through, right? You couldn't develop the pattern matching. My colleagues like you in the U.S., Uh, My peers were seeing hundreds of projects a quarter and I was seeing 10 projects a quarter, right? So can you talk a bit about that, that development process, development cycle and where you specifically remember, like, give me an example of where you remember like hitting a wall or going, Ooh, this is really hard. I don't know what to do next and how you got through that moment. It's interesting that you and I have uh, a similar experience developing Latin American countries you know, that gets very hard, very fast and does not stop becoming very difficult. And so, you know, I developed a 21 megawatt project in Sonora. Mm, wow. Yeah. And, you know, that project was, you know, difficult for, for many reasons, including, you know, I couldn't speak the language whatsoever. You know, at the end of the project, I could, you know, get around in a cab and order food and, you know, not get myself killed. The latter being very important in Sonora. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Exactly. But it was a very interesting project where, you know, I thought, you know, that 
from all the projects I developed before that, I could take those lessons and apply it almost directly. You know, that was not the case. I think the most difficult part was, you know, the the offtake contract was a PPA with the municipalities, you mm-hmm. know, powering their lights. And, you know, it was a great, great rate, extremely high rate. And, you know, like what, like what's, a, what's an extremely high rate? That's $130 a megawatt hour. 130 megawatt hour. Okay. 13 yeah. cents a kilowatt hour for those who are trying to kind of figure out the math on the work in residential. That, that's right. Yeah. And, and, you know, most of uh, electricity in Mexico is subsidized. And so if we were to sell directly into the grid at the time it was injected, it would be, you know, a tenth of that cost, that price. You know, so it was really exciting to to work on that, you know, and thought, you know, I was able to bring my financeability lens or bankability lens into that project and get it financed. It took, you know, nine months to find a buyer and a bank. Was this with Topco or was this after you had started your own company? And how did you get into Mexico? Like what brought you into Mexico? This is with my own company. I started a development shop in you know, 2014 doing, doing the same stuff in California, the, you know, the Remat Crest program type of projects and, you know, developing projects in Northeast, uh, the QFs there, you know, and then saw an opportunity to develop projects in Mexico because it was kind of booming at that time, or I thought it was booming at that time. And California market was kind of shrinking. We were hitting this, you know, solar coaster event where, you know, uh, PPAs were kind of getting more scarce. And so looked at other areas and, you know, was able to be, get connected um, with, with folks there you know, who was able to, you know, bring projects for it. And so it was, you know, I, I say this over and over and again, it's a people business. And, you know, the, the people that, you know, that the network that I continually foster and is part of the, my favorite part of the job, you know, are the ones that, you know, bring the best opportunities. And so this, this is what, that's how I got into Mexico is kind of, you know, calling people and, you know, I called the U.S. Embassy and they set up meetings with me with governors in, in California. And that's how, how it kind of got started with uh, meeting folks and, you know, just, just hitting, hitting, the, uh, hitting the phones and, and getting out there. Did you intuit that you should call the embassy or did, or did someone say, well, if you want to go to whatever country, call the embassy, they'll help you? No, I, it was something that was thought up um, during an MBA class. We had to do an international study report on a, you know, a, 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 a country in your field. And I was studying, you know, multiple kind of countries and, you know, I'd, Found it out through uh, Mexico. Looked like it had a lot of opportunities. Well, Nobel, what was the spark that really ignited your interest in going out on your own back in 2014? And I'll note that maybe you will have changed this because I'm bringing it up by the time folks see it on your LinkedIn. But at present, your LinkedIn says that Radiant Sky was 2016. I'd love for you to sort of split hairs with me there for a minute. Yeah, sure. So, you know, when I when I got into the industry you know, that off-grid wind, solar, and battery system, you know, I saw like how much I could help improve people's lives, you know, and then passion has kind of only grown kind of with a worsening state of the world. When I started developing large-scale projects at the time, megawatt and a half with large, I thought to myself, you know, what was, what is like the biggest conflict that we're going to kind of, kind of face, right? In 2010, you know, electricity heat production was one, like the largest single source of greenhouse gas emissions you know, 20 some odd percent. Uh, It's still the same today. And I thought to myself, like, how can I make the most impact? You know, it's developing good projects at scale and with speed. Um, You know, as part of a larger organization that was kind of moving away from the U.S. market, you know, it was kind of um, slowing down uh, during the 2014, 2015 timeframe. 
But I still wanted to develop projects. I didn't care that we were going against a uh, solo coaster event. I didn't care about all the headwinds. And I still wanted to develop projects. And I've learned quite a bit from my time there that I kind of wanted to do on my own. And so I made the leap mostly because it was might have been hard to get hired at that time because we were going through kind of a difficult, uh, difficult solo coaster event. And I was like, well, you know, it doesn't take that much to lock up a site back then in California, very different today. Um, and I knew how to develop projects from, from, from end to end. And so from a capital standpoint at that time, it didn't take that much to you know, lock up um, you know, leases and submit to in- interconnection queue. It really didn't take that much. Capital. What does it mean though? Because some people listening may not understand at all what you're talking about. What does it mean to lock up a project um, or, or a interconnection queue? Can you spell out some of those, some of those details? Sure. I think, I think when I say lock up, it means different in different markets as well. In California, to get into the REMAP program, which is a which is a you know feed-in tariff program, that was kind of a reverse auction mechanism um, that uh, you know Southern California had. You know, we needed to have site control, you know, full control of you know either lease or purchase. We needed to you know get through some sort of permitting um, process, didn't have to be fully complete, but to start the process, and we'd have to have interconnections filed. So at that point, we were ready. At, at, at those three points, um, those, those three pillars of development, we were able to go after a PPA. And so relatively small dollars, a lot of effort for sure, but relatively small dollars to go in after and create a ton of value in the, in the beginning. You know, it's, it's, it's very similar to, you know, QF PERPA development where, you know, you have a legally enforceable obligation that you meet if you have site control, interconnection, permanent, et cetera, and it's different through all, all states. And that's what I mean by lockup. That's very, it's, I mean, it's fundamental learning, uh, kind of understanding those three pillars of development. And for those who are unfamiliar, QF means qualified facility. The state of North Carolina, for example, uh, had specific blocks of power that you could develop called five megawatt. Uh, that was five megawatts, which were considered qualifying facilities, at which point under the purple rules, Duke Energy or any anyone, if it had been any other progress energy or whatever, selling electricity in, in the the state had to buy that facility at the avoided cost, right? It was like there's a specified that's amount. Right. Yeah, that's a it's that's a documented right. you so you basically know if I can develop this project all the way through and build it, they have to buy it. And then it's a race to just get into the interconnection queue, right? And we see that across we've seen that rather over the last decade as a really scalable development model, but it's a rise and fall by market, market by market. It sounds like that is sort of a key learning for you through the Topco time and, and into the Radiant Sky time. Uh, so the market wasn't necessarily favorable for going and getting another job. It sounds like Topco was starting to move more towards international development. And that led you to start your own company. Was it just a, a solopreneur thing or was it you working with others? Meaning were you mostly just consulting and you called it Radiant Sky or did you kind of build a a project business around it? The latter. Mm. Um, Definitely build a project business around it. I saw, you know, know, for for me, I've always been a developer, um, probably not a good consultant, but I've created value where, you know, where where there was just land. Um, And so I continue to do that. And that's part of, you know, part of the the fun that I have is creating such value. And, And, you know, I, Definitely was able to hire, you know, some folks who, were, who joined the team and, you know, raise, raise a bit of money to help um, kind of push on development. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the idea was to, you know, develop projects at scale. And, and, and how we did that was, 
you know, doing what we could to kind of get value as soon as possible. And eventually we sold them, you know, we, we weren't IPPs, we were kind mm. of pure play developers, you know, and then saw the opportunity to do it internationally as well. Um, you know, in, yeah. in projects in Mexico and Chile and Argentina yeah. and Japan and, and all that. And that most of that was through kind of, iner, you know, in uh, internal inertia, you know, yeah. we, we saw, you know, we were doing that uh, Mexico project and it was extremely, extremely fun, albeit very mm-hmm. difficult. Um, you know, saw a similar type of QF play happen in Chile. Um, you know, we brought on yeah. a um, kind of director, um, you know, that was from there and, you know, did the whole, you know, new market analysis to, you know, what will create offtake, what will create value and start yeah. developing projects in Chile. And that was also a very, very fun um, That's super cool. And that was in that 2016, uh, 2015, 16, 17 That's time right. Frame. That's right. Yeah. Man. That's a great time. All right. So all the warriors, well, hopefully as we try to deliver more under 20 minute segments, you've made it all the way through to the end. If this is the first time you ever listened to the outro of a Suncast episode, I want to salute you and thank you for joining us for one more episode. It is because you listen that we show up. Thank you once again. If you, my fellow Philomath, are interested in learning more, well, you can find links to Nobel's bio and his LinkedIn, as well as a myriad of other ways that we researched and prepped for the interview with Nobel and every other guest that we've had on Suncast, over 600 episodes strong. That's all at mysuncast.com. And I want to thank our sponsors, who ensure every week that we can deliver on our promise to level up your skills and all it costs is your time and attention. You can find out more about our sponsors at mysuncast.com forward slash sponsor. That's also how you can learn ways that you can partner with us to reach thousands of solar warriors and climate champions just like yourself each and every week, twice a week. That's it for this week. I want to remind you, you are what you listen to. Thanks again for showing up, solar warrior. It's half the battle.